Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hi, everybody. Thanks for being back with us again for another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. And Melissa Denise is with us again. If you uh, didn't hear last week's interview with her, please go back and listen. I won't give her uh, introduction again, but she's a delightful young lady. It's just really fun for me to get to know her. And so welcome back, Melissa. Thank you for having me on, Paul. I've really enjoyed our last conversation. Me too. Thank you so much. I wanted to start out by asking, you mentioned last time that you were involved in a couple of different organized religious situations and you had a a desperate thirst to know God and you were involved in those things. And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I would guess that like some of the rest of us in those situations, we wanted to tell other people about God or sometimes we we felt like we had to or... uh, Uh, We might be punished if we didn't. So what do you tell people now with what you know about God's unconditional love and grace and forgiveness? What do you tell people now when they ask you about God or when the opportunity comes up and the Holy Spirit prompts you to tell them about God? Yeah, so I would say before, I didn't really say or do anything because I just felt like, what's the point? And I can't really make a difference. But now it's so much more simple. It's just God loves you. and more than saying anything, it's showing them. Let me show it to you in my actions and in how I see you and interact with you, especially maybe if it's a difficult person. It's just refusing to see them as being a difficult person. And I'm going to see you with the eyes of love and I'm going to see the best in you and pull that out in you. But I do get a lot of opportunities to have conversations with people because of my YouTube channel. And so I just try to help them find a real tangible experience of God within their life. So you feel love for somebody, focus on that love, and that's an experience of God. Or finding God within themselves, getting past all of their guilt and their conditioning about who they think they are, and helping them to understand who they really are as a creation of God. It's a much better way than than what we've had before, isn't it? Yes, I've come to realize, Melissa, that one of the telltale signs that we really do know the only true God, as Jesus called his Father, is that we start seeing people the way Jesus does. And so we start seeing them not as a project or not as sinners that, or not, not somebody to be critical of or judge, but to see Christ in them, to see his love in them, and to uh, then have the opportunity to partner with God in helping them see who they've always been, but just didn't know it yet. 
Absolutely. It's really fun for me to sort of, many times you can almost see the um, relief that, that people have when they start to realize that some of the things that they believed, many of the things that they believed were not true. I, I've come to realize that, you know, religion, you know, and I, I've been a pastor for over 30 years, and the first 20 years of that, I was lost in the weeds. <laughs> but in those early years, and what I've seen of organized religion is, is basically every week, a pastor or the teacher or small group leader or somebody says, there's a problem. Here's the problem. You're not right with God. Uh, and here's the, the solution and everything. And lately, the, the Lord's just been showing me there's no problem. There's never been a problem. The only problem is you've thought there was a problem. <laughs> exactly. Yes. It's all a change in perception. Yeah. That old Greek word metanoia, which unfortunately is awfully translated as repent, simply means to change your way of thinking, change your perception, and agree with God about what he says about himself and what he says about you and other people. Yes. And repent for the kingdom of heaven is here, so change your perception because it's already here. You're already that. Yeah. Oh, man. I would have loved to have been there and heard Jesus say those things. I don't know if I would have caught on any quicker than anybody else, which wasn't very quick. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You mentioned that with your three kids, which you homeschool, that COVID has kind of changed that at least temporarily. But you used to go and encourage people at nursing homes, at uh, retirement centers and soup kitchen and, and things like that. Tell us about that. We can know what that means. But tell us what it meant for you, uh, what it meant for your kids, uh, what it means for them when they're able to do that and, and how you uh, teach them about God and help them to see God through doing that. Yes, it's really important to me that my kids grow up in an atmosphere of service and just compassion and love for all. The, the type of life that Jesus, not that I can live the exact life that Jesus did because he didn't even have a home and he was a traveling teacher, but that type of life of just compassion and service to any opportunity that arises, that's what I want my kids to know to learn to see Jesus in the least of these, not that any of us are actually least, but to see Jesus in the forgotten person in the nursing home or the starving person on the street or the person living in low income who nobody's going to give them anything for Christmas. One of the things that we used to do that I absolutely loved is bake bread and hand it out to the low income community where we used to live on Christmas Eve. And we weren't able to do that this year, but the reactions that people would give us, they would cry, they would just stare at us in shock. And it just goes to show the world is starving for love. And we can be part of that solution. And that's what I want my kids to know. The world is starving for love. I, I think we've all been hardwired by God to uh, crave, if you will, unconditional love and acceptance and uh, to be valued. And it's so wonderful to know that we don't have to try to somehow merit or earn that. We have it. And then when we grasp that, when we give it to other people too, that's really where the rubber hits the road. We can preach to them and use all kinds of fancy words in Greek and Hebrew and stuff like that. But they don't care how much you know until they see how much you care. Exactly. Yeah. And so you're modeling that for your kids. You're giving them opportunities to do that. Uh, tell us again, I think maybe we talked about this in between the interviews. Tell us about the water in the bathtub and the pebble example that you use with your kids. So I filled the bathtub with water and then we got little pebbles from outside and 
I had each of them drop a pebble into the water and then we watched the ripples. So the point being, we live in a very interactive universe. So everything we do, every action, every thought, every word, it affects everything else. This has been proven by science now that what we do affects distant galaxies because we are all interconnected. And also loving actions and unloving actions can either cancel each other out or overpower each other. So you get a visual of that when dropping the pebbles in the water and actually watching the ripples interact to see how much of a difference you can make. Yeah, that visual is really good. I was just reading something the other day about uh, some scientists. They talk about the butterfly effect and how a butterfly in Brazil flapping its wings can affect the wind in Chicago. And uh, I don't understand all of that, <laughs> but uh, it's really cool how quantum physics and science now is is being able to uh, help us understand things that have always been true and that we've known spiritually but didn't appear to line up with science. And now we're finding science really supporting that. Yes, science and spirituality have a lot to say that's in common now. Yeah. So in teaching your kids and, and modeling for them and giving them examples, you don't have any curriculum that you've bought from somebody to help with these particular things. Is that correct? No, and I wish I did. I do have one book that I absolutely love. It's by Brad Jerzak, and it's a children's book. Yeah, I've got it too. Yeah, okay. So you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, and I'm just reading his newest book, called The Christ-like Way, I think, oh, boy, which is uh, really good. So you have that one book. If you were to go looking for a course, material, resources to help teach your kids, and we've already said there doesn't appear to be anything like that, what would you like that to look like? What would you hope would be in a curriculum like that? I think knowledge is important. It gives us the foundation, but I think something that's really lacking in religious circles is actually putting things into practice so that you can experience it. So in a curriculum for kids, I would want to see a lot of hands-on things, training them and teaching them how to experience these spiritual realities and making it real for them at a young age. Yeah, that's good. When our church was much larger uh, years ago, we did something that we called servant evangelism. And I have a friend named Steve Shogren in Cincinnati who's kind of the father of that. And we uh, we would organize, we'd plan it all out and we'd get the materials and stuff. And one thing we did was we'd just go out to businesses and offer to clean their bathrooms. We'd just go in with the stuff and we'd say, uh, hey, we're here to clean your bathrooms. Is that okay? And there was a bar right next door to our church then. And, and I, I used to go over there in the afternoon and get a Coke or whatever and just, you know, talk with the guy who owned the bar. And he was a fun guy. And sometimes we'd take our staff or we'd have staff meetings over there. But one Saturday morning, we went over with a group of people with uh, buckets and cleaning things and stuff like that. And I said to him, hey, we're just here to clean your bathrooms. And he looked at me and he said, whatever turns you on. <laughs> but then we went, we just went down. Our church was downtown. We just went from place to place, and we didn't give them any tracts. We didn't tell them about Jesus or anything. But inevitably, they would say, why do you do this? And what we said was, well, you know, we love Jesus, and we just thought if he was here today, this is what he'd be doing. Wow. And so we did different things, like we would put nickels in uh, parking meters for people. Uh, one time, we, when gas—this <laughs> seems amazing—when uh, gas— went to uh, 
over a dollar a gallon here. God, this tells you how long ago it was. It got up to like a dollar twenty-five. We raised some money and we worked with a local filling station, and we gave them a thousand dollars and bought the price of gas down to fifty cents a gallon. And wow. yeah, and fortunately the news covered that really well. And then we, guys, by the time we said it was going to start at eight o'clock on a Saturday morning, well, we got there about seven. And by that time, there were lines around, you know, a couple of blocks long of people. And what we did is we had a whole bunch of people with bottled water and hot coffee and donuts. And we just went up to uh, each car and said, hey, we knew you'd probably be waiting in line here for a while. Would you like some coffee or some uh, or bottled water? Would you like a donut? So at any rate, over the, it, it was an amazing thing. And over the course of about, um, we were going to do it for four hours. Over the course of about two hours, our $1,000 ran out. It was much more. And the uh, guy who owned the station, who's a really cool guy, he came and told me that and he said, I'm just going to go ahead and do it anyway. He said, I'm going to make up the difference. And it was really cool. So doing things like that is, um, I've learned if you use the wrong words or if you tell, if you lay a guilt trip on people or whatever, then uh, they see right through that. But if you just do it based on love with no strings attached and helping people, it impacts them. And obviously, as it does when you take your kids out to do things to help and serve other people. Yeah, that's so powerful, especially how your act of love inspired another one. That's just, that's the way it works. Love inspires more love and lives are changed that way. Yeah. And that's that ripple effect, isn't it? Yeah. 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 That's really cool. Well, maybe you can uh, write a homeschool curriculum and come up with a bunch of ways for uh, parents and groups to take their kids around and uh, do different things like that. One that we did, too, I forgot about this till now, but I, I wish we would have had the resource to do it during COVID. But we tried to do something once a month. And uh, one Saturday, we bought... I don't know how many hundreds of rolls of toilet paper, and we put them in plastic bags, and we just went to neighborhoods all over town, and we said, hey, I know sometime or another you're probably going to be caught without some toilet paper. We just wanted to give you an extra roll. And people would go, what? What do I owe you? Or what? And, you know, no, we're just, uh, uh, we're doing this because, you know, if Jesus was here, we think this is what he'd be doing. I wish we'd have had a stockpile of those so that when people were buying the grocery stores out, we could have gone out and done that, but we didn't. <laughs> now we have twenty twenty hindsight. We can look back. And, uh, <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Well, Melissa, you do a couple of YouTube videos each week. You have a subscription where uh, people can subscribe. They can uh, contact with you. What are some recent videos you've done about and what do you have in mind that you're going to be doing in the near future? Recently, I did a series on understanding the end times events. I'm also doing a series on Christianity and the, the new age, understanding those two thought systems and how they work together, the differences and similarities. And I recently started a series on hellish near-death experiences and helping people to understand those and take the fear out of that. Wow. And you've been doing this since 2018, so you have a number of videos on your YouTube channel that people can find, right? Yes. Planning in the new year to get a little bit more into Christian mysticism because that's really where I feel like I find my home. I don't like to use labels, but I think that it helps to explain all of the thought systems and worldviews 
um, through the eyes and through the lens of Christ. So we'll be getting into that in the new year. Oh, wonderful. I'm just finishing a 10-week series on uh, mystics, mysticism, and mysteries. And uh, I think we're all mystics. We just don't realize it. God is speaking to all of us, and many of us just don't yet uh, realize this. Are you familiar with Ron Wright, W-R-I-G-H-T? No, I'm not. He's from Canada. I'd encourage you to look him up, Ron, W-R-I-G-H-T. He calls himself an ontological mystic, and uh, he posts things a lot. And, oh gosh, his uh, I've interviewed him a couple of times on my podcast, but his uh, his understanding of uh, the ontology of mysticism and uh, helping people see that. It's just, it's really good. And it's really fascinating. And I was taught by the uh, organized religious systems that I was in that mystics and mysticism was a, a new age thing that was, uh, you know, if you even say the word mystic, you're going to be liable to go to hell. And uh, gosh, I, I remember we came upon a uh, really good spiritual gifts course that was called Network. And I was a pastor in a denomination at another church then, and and I wanted to. I'd studied that, and I wanted to do that. And and reluctantly, the leadership said, well, we'll do it, but we're going to change the name of it from Network to First Fruits because Network is a New Age word, and we don't want to use that. And they literally got all the material, which was volumes of it, had somebody retype it and change the word Network to First Fruits all the way through. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> Not only did it kill several trees, I look back at things like that now and I go, oh, man. You know, I can just see God going, oh, man. <laughs> Networking is what we want. We want people to come together. That's what God wants. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's called koinonia or community. Yes, Fellowship. relationship. <laughs> yes. Oh, gosh. Well, listen, this has really been fun. I knew it would be from watching uh, your YouTube videos. And I so appreciate your taking the time to be with us and, and share your thoughts and tell us about your family and what you're doing. I so appreciate you giving me this opportunity. And I greatly enjoyed this conversation. Me too. And so as we get ready to finish, tell people again how they can connect with you. On YouTube, Love Covered Life is the name of my channel. And I go by Melissa Denise, D-E-N-Y-C-E, on Facebook and Instagram. All right. So I really encourage people to go to your YouTube channel and to subscribe and then to connect with you. You will enjoy Melissa as much as I do. So thanks again, Melissa. Thank you so much. And thanks, everybody, for being with us for another version of Grace to All with Paul Gray. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.